Hello, and welcome to Ominous Whispers. My name is Christian. And this is Vincent. This show contains adult content and adult language. Listener's discretion is advised. show we will discuss true crime stories true paranormal stories and just about anything creepy from our own accounts research and listener submissions these are the stories that will give anyone goosebumps so our first actually takes place in arkansas we've been receiving reports that uh, there is a killer on the loose in that area uh hot springs and uh, little rock area I do have an article posted by Snopes.com to verify the validity of the claim that there is a senior killer on the loose. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the article. It goes on to state that in late March 2021, the FBI and the National Park Service opened an investigation at Hot Springs National Park in Arkansas after a body was found in the woods. As authorities investigated, an unfounded rumor holding that a serial killer was on the loose started to lay on social media. One of the social media and posts regarding as such can go on control. I'll go and continue with the article. One common claim associated with this rumor was that the dismembered bodies of five women have been found in the park. The article does go on to say that these are nothing more than just rumors and there is really nothing to worry about. Um, it also goes on to say that this is not true. There was not an active investigation into a serial killer in Hot Springs, Arkansas in April 2021, nor were five dismembered bodies found in the area. The rumor stems from a genuine police investigation in the Hot Springs area that involved the FBI. The involvement of this federal agency may have led to some unfounded speculation about the crimes involved. But as the local news outlet, the Centennial Record explained, the FBI was involved because this investigation involved federal I'll go on to read the last bit of this article. Um, finally, it goes on to say that a criminal investigation by the FBI and the National Park Service on federal property involved closing a portion of Black Snake Road for several hours Sunday, a Park Service spokesman told the Centennial Record. We do have a criminal investigation going on involving the FBI and the investigative services of the MPS involving a wooded area off of Black Snake Road, Alexandra MPS Public Information Officer said shortly before 5.30 p.m. Sunday. An FBI evidence response team was involved because the investigation involved an incident on federal land, she said, which is standard protocol. In my opinion, rumor or not, if you are in the Hot Springs, Little Rock area, it's always a good idea to go ahead and uh, carry mace or a firearm, depends on what the Arkansas laws are. I don't know what the firearm laws are down there, but if you are around someone that's off-putting or seems very strange or just gives off an ugly, ugly aura, be, be very wary. This next story involves a personal account that happened to my associate Christian. Christian, go ahead. This next story happened to me when I was 21. It is about a stock that I had. At that time, I worked at a local grocery store where I worked in the deli. I had a gentleman that always liked to request me because he thought I was a nice guy. He said one day, and I quote, I like you. 
I really like you. Would you want to date with me? Looked at him and said, sorry, sir. I have a girlfriend and child. I apologize, but what else can I do for you? From there, he leaves and says, thank you. As the weeks go on, he comes about every other week and asks me this same question. I tell him every time, sir, no. Now, this last time, I told him I was going to have to talk to my manager if he didn't stop. He eventually stopped. A month goes by, and he stops me in a local Walgreens down from where I live and says, Hey, handsome, how are you doing? So how about that date? Would you like to go on a date? looked at him and I said, dude, what the fuck? Don't talk to me like that, I said, or things will escalate. He then leaves me alone. A few weeks later, I'm riding in my child's grandmother's car, and I see that he lives down the street from me. He was sitting on his front porch. I didn't think anything of it, but oh my god, what the heck? This is really weird that my stalker lives down the street. A couple more weeks go by, and then he comes up to her parents' door, which is where we were living at the time. My girlfriend at that time answered the door. He asked for me by name, and she says, Okay, give me just a second, I'll go grab him. She grabs me, I come out, and I see his face. I say, Dude, what the fuck? You need to get off this property right now, or things are going to escalate very, very quickly. As I walk him towards the white picket fence, he tries to grab me and says, Hey, I'm not leaving without a kiss. I turn around, and I hit him right in his face. He falls to the ground. Right then, I have him pinned down, and I tell my girlfriend to grab her mother's handcuffs that she owns, and I cuff him. He then sets and waits for the cops to show, and he was taken to jail. Creepy stalker dude, I really hope I never run into you again. This next account happened to my wife. We had started dating back when we were 22, and I was going through a custody battle for my sons. I had gained sole custody. One night when she was hanging out with me and my sons, I asked her if she would go down to the corner store market and get us a couple drinks and snacks for us. At that time, neither one had a vehicle. He said, sure. So as she's walking down, she goes and grabs what she needs to. And walking out, some man stopped her and says, Hey, little lady, do you need a ride? Now, granted, my wife looks like a little girl because she's only four foot seven, so she doesn't look like a full-grown woman. She nicely says, No, I live right down the street. I will be okay. She says, A lady like you shouldn't be walking alone at night like this. Are you sure you don't want to ride? You can hop in and I'll take you right down the street. I promise I'm safe and okay. Creeped out, she says again, nicely, No. I do not want a ride. So she starts walking down the street, which is about three blocks from the apartment. It's about a block away, and he pulls into this Jiffy Lube and says, Get in the car now, and everything will be alright. Her scared, she takes off running and hides in the alley behind the salon right next to the Jiffy Lube. Calls me, freaking out. I run downstairs, carrying a firearm. I tell her, safely walk along the fence in the back of the alley, you're right next to the apartment. 
So she does. She comes around, and I see the car coming by. I yell, hey, motherfucker, do you want something? As he sits there and looks at me, he just keeps smiling and says, I almost had her. For this situation that happened, I'm just happy that she was able to call me or something worse could have happened. Now, she has never walked anywhere like that again. That concludes the story. This next story involves a personal account of my associate, Vincent. This takes place in late 2011, early 2012 in Hutchison, Kansas. I will warn you, this very much contains adult content and is not for sensitive ears. It does contain violence and rape. This story may be long, and for that I apologize. A little background. I'm a male commuting between Dallas, Texas and the Wichita, Hutchinson, Kansas area, currently 28. I was a correctional officer at a state prison. I own a business, manage another business, and I'm the editor for two podcasts, including this one. What happened occurred mostly in 2012. I was 19. I graduated from high school the year before and I'm working on my second semester at my local community college in the Wichita area as a freshman. At this time, I was already foolishly engaged to my fiance. I'll call her Danielle. She was 18 at the time and finishing out her senior year of high school. I had the mindset of most teenagers. I've got this figured out. I know what I'm doing. I'm on top of the world. In retrospect, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I had dreams of being a successful architect and had plans to relocate to New York City with Danielle and having that perfect life. In August, maybe September of 2011, I had accepted a friend request from a girl. I'll call her Jessica. She was the same age as me, I believe. I've already previously known about her as I've had theater class with her in high school before I graduated. I didn't see the harm in accepting her friend request because I thought she was nice. And that's where I made my first mistake. This was the onset of me having issues in my future relationships to come. The conversations on Facebook between Jessica and I were innocent at first. There was no flirting of any kind as I was already happy in my relationship with Danielle. I never really liked Jessica and a boyfriend-girlfriend since. It wasn't until later, maybe November 2011, that Jessica had started expressing her dislike for Danielle. I immediately thought, oh, she's just jealous. She went as far as telling me that I should leave Danielle for her and that Danielle was a control freak. The only thing Danielle didn't like that I would do is smoke cigarettes. Time after time, I would reject Jessica's unwanted advances on Facebook. When she finally got the hint, she took it a step further. Soon after, I would get a number of random friend requests by people who claim to live in the area, but are from different parts of the country, and also claim to know Jessica. Back then, I didn't connect the dots, I had to do this later, and I'll explain more ago. One of these people claimed to be her cousin, but most claimed to be their friends. A couple of these accounts posted to Jessica's page to give the illusion that these were real people. These people would talk to me. Didn't think anything of it. Friendly conversation. Each person would, of course, have a different personality. A few were edgelords, who were extremely cryptic. A few were friendly. One person claimed to be the ghost of Jessica's ex, 
who then stated that Jessica had psychic abilities. Fucking unreal, right? But again, these conversations all had one thing in common. They wanted me to date Jessica. And if I didn't, something bad would happen to herself, Danielle, my family, or even all of the above. This is where I started to lose my shit. Threatening my fiance, threatening my family. I had enough on my plate already. Juggling college, working at Walmart, catching up on homework, keeping Danielle happy, etc. My teenage mindset went from confident to gloom and doom in an instant. In January 2012, the final straw came when Jessica threatened suicide if I didn't leave Danielle, while simultaneously being manipulated and brainwashed into thinking Jessica is the one for me. These were seemingly valid threats. I didn't know what to think or believe anymore. I had to tell Danielle everything. I had a plan. I told Danielle that I was going to fake dump her and make Jessica believe it, and then start to date Jessica and trick her into getting mental health. Once that's done, Danielle and I can resume our happily ever after like nothing ever happened. I had to do this because I was under the impression she hurt herself, Danielle, or my family. One problem though, Danielle took it seriously and thought I was dumping her for good. She was hysterical, didn't want to listen. Fine, whatever. I'll resume my plan and profusely make it up to Danielle later on, thinking it'll be salvageable and we can get back together. There's my teenage confidence ignorance coming back. I really didn't want to lose Danielle after being with her for almost three years at this point. About a month later, I started to date Jessica. I was forced to do a lot of things. I had to fake just about everything to keep her believing that I was happy. I was absolutely, astonishingly, miserable. I hated life, and I hated myself for letting Danielle go for this pear-shaped bluesy. I had to have sex under the fear of what she'd do if I didn't. I had to show affection, even though I really didn't want to. If I didn't have sex with her, she threatened to harm my now ex-fiance, herself, or my family. I was again under the impression that I was protecting my family and the girl I was once involved with by sleeping with Jessica. I wanted to vomit every single time I had to show some sort of affection, especially intimacy. One day, Jessica again had produced one of her threats, saying that if I ever left her, she'd commit suicide or charge me with rape. I was trapped and I didn't see any way out of this mess. In May of 2012, I was studying for my finals. I didn't see a point. I was already failing all my classes so much that there was no recovering from it, but I bit the bullet and studied anyway. It kept my mind busy. It was a Friday afternoon. It was sunny, slight breeze, not a cloud in sight. I finally had the nerve to leave Jessica. There's a therapist I was seeing at the college who's been made fully aware of the situation I was in. My plan was to dump Jessica in the presence of my therapist. I knew exactly how she'd react. It was the perfect plan. Jessica and I meet in the college lobby and I patiently, nervously wait for the therapist to call us back. I'm shaking. Jessica has no idea what's coming. The therapist arrives. She's late. Nonetheless, she calls us into her office. Once we're settled, I spill the beans and I tell Jessica that I'm leaving her. And as predicted, she loses her shit. 
immediate hysterics, bawling, making a scene. Mid-sentence, she gets up, yells at both me and the therapist, leaves the room, and slams the door shut. The window's rattled. At this point, she's making a scene in the lobby, and tons of people are watching her lose her mind. The therapist runs after her and manages her to bring her back into the room. Jessica gets resettled and calmer. She then proceeds to go off on me for going back to Danielle. Then she proceeds to call her nasty things. I pop back off to her and she retaliates by smacking me in the face. The therapist had to sit between us and told Jessica we do not hit in this office like she's five years old. Jessica predictably threatened suicide again, so we had to call mommy in the office. Once Mother Dearest arrives, the therapist and I were asked to leave the room. At this point, I'm speculating that they're plotting something against me. When we were invited back in, they had come to the consensus that Jessica will go on to receive mental help and to be transported to the local psych ward. The meeting concludes. This is it. It's over. I'm free. I told Danielle that she's gone and I'd do anything to have her back in my life. I apologize profusely, but it's too late. She'd already started dating a guy in his 30s. There was no getting back together with Danielle. Ever. My life then, still in ruin, and there was nothing I could do. The day of my birthday, Jessica is released from the hospital. I found out because she texted me, apologizing for smacking me in the face, hoping we could get back together and talk things out. To which I replied, fuck off. I went on to say there's absolutely no chance, and that she ruined my life. The last text ever sent from her was her explaining that she'd charged me with rape and she'd already finished the paperwork. I'm petrified. I couldn't sleep for days, and later that week I was sitting at home with my dad. He knew what was going on. The whole family knew what was going on. So did my friends, even Danielle. They all thought it was bullshit. I was sitting in the living room one afternoon when two police officers approached the front door. One of them was holding a piece of paper. This was it. I'm going to jail for something I absolutely haven't done. I'm shaking again. My dad answers the door and the police state we're looking for me. I answered. They handed me the paper. There's a PFA. On the PFA was a slew of false accusations, including rape. There was a court date at the bottom. I didn't get arrested. Just served papers, which was a small relief. So I lawyer up and I file PFA back stating that what she's accusing me of was all fabricated. This is also where I found out all those Facebook accounts were fake, created by her to brainwash me into thinking that Jessica was right for me. She was using one of those accounts to talk to me, even after she filed a PFA against me. Fast forward to the court date, it was in June. We have a hearing on her case because she filed the PFA first. I bring my lawyer, she fails to bring hers, there's a continuance. Two weeks later, we revisit the courthouse. I bring my lawyer again, and then she finally brings hers. What's interesting is that her lawyer talks to my lawyer, who then talks to me. Apparently, she wants to drop everything, only if I drop everything. Funny, was she scared of being caught in a lie? My lawyer and I had a plan to expose her. However, I went ahead and agreed to drop everything as well. 
this was a waste of my time and lawyers are not cheap. So we let it go. And that was it. During that whole summer, I was recovering from what happened to me over the course of five months in the most unhealthiest way. Drinking, sleeping around, partaking in drugs. Nothing hard, just some weed in K2 when it was still legal. I was a broken person who wanted to be loved. Soon after, I moved to Kansas City to escape the town that was full of the reminders of what I went through and to escape Jessica. Or it had she be stalking me. This was the only escape. I left for Kansas City under the guise that I was to join Job Corps and master a trade. A year later, I completed the program but moved back to my hometown due to some unforeseen circumstances. I had intended to stay, but after I moved back, I worked hard to move somewhere else as quickly as possible and stay gone, all to avoid Jessica entirely. Over the years, besides Kansas City, I've lived in Wichita, then on to Dallas, I did not want her to find me. However, in January 2017, I had moved back to the Hutchinson area due to some other more unforeseen circumstances. When I came back, I decided to give college a try again. I met someone while working at a grocery store part-time. That someone is now my wife. I've been married ever since 2018, and I'm happy to report that I've mostly recovered from the trauma I've endured, and I'm married to a loving woman who knows my story. She's been very supportive and I'm so happy. The one thing I still struggle with is the fact that I hate sex still. Today, I'm a proud business owner and things seem like they're looking up. I look forward to what the future holds for my wife and I. I want my wife to have nothing but the finest. I want us to have a good, secure life and I'm working hard now to obtain that. I've thought here and there about advocating for men who've gone through what I've gone through or something similar. I just don't know where to start how to begin, or even where to find the money to fund this project, but it's something I've definitely thought of. In hindsight, had I just blocked Jessica from the get-go, I would have avoided all the bullshit I've let happen to me. Part of me thinks it's my fault things, things ended up how they were. Maybe it is. But then I remind myself that I was manipulated. I've been on the fence with this with myself for years. My fault? Maybe. Maybe not. On a final note, gentlemen, if your female crush claims to have supernatural abilities and threatens to suicide, if they don't get their way, run far, far away. I don't wish what I went through on my worst enemy. Thank you for listening. This concludes Season 1, Episode 1 of Ominous Whispers. Thank you all for listening. We apologize for the short episode. Please keep in mind that this is our first episode and we are still working out the kinks to give you a better listening experience in the episodes to come. Tune in in a couple weeks for episode two, where we will talk about Christian's personal account of creepy stories and more true crime stories. Listener submissions are encouraged. If you are interested in submitting your story, feel free to email us at ominouswhispers2021 at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening.